Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Tim McKernan. We are broadcasting live on podcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. On Mondays, we release new interviews, and on Thursdays, we release questions from the audience. Your questions can be about anything and damn near anything I will be happy to answer. So anytime you have a question, it could be, I mean, it could be, listen, it could be something going on with you personally, professionally, and I will give you my perspective on it, even though I really have absolutely no reason to do so. I'm happy to do so. You just email me, tmckernan at insidestl.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at insidestl.com, and send your questions in or post them on the TMA fan page on Facebook. But if you're not on Facebook or if you want your question to remain private, then you can email it. And I'd say uh, we're probably answering for every two we answer from the fan page, we answer one from email. That's about the ratio uh, for questions from the audience. So with that all said, we will go to the questions for this week. But first, let me tell you about Ryan Kelly. He is our sponsor, the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, if you're in the market to buy a home or refinance, make sure that you go to the HomeLoanExpert.com. And when you do, you will see two options right there for you to click on the tab. Would you like to refinance? Would you like to purchase? Click on the tab, enter in the information, and you're going to find out how much money you're going to save if you're going to refinance or what that payment's going to be if you purchase. And realize this, if you're going to refinance with the home market soaring, Five minutes can save you $500. Five minutes can save you $500 a month on your payment. Why not do it? Especially doing it with Ryan Kelly. A business continues to grow because of their customer service and ability to save you money. It's the homeloanexpert.com, a person I know, respect, not just the way he does business, but his charity also. He's just a really good guy, and I know his business and the people who work there, first class. He trains them so thoroughly. That's why his business continues to grow, can save you money, and it can be a painless process. Five minutes can save you $500 a month on your payment from Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. Let's start with this question. I will go in order. Uh, When did the hitting on 70s heartthrob Doug Vaughn start? I have been listening for about two years now to TMA and love all the texts about Doug and was just curious when and why those started. It's a good question. And I think the answer 
is about the second week of the morning after. Now, keep in mind, the morning grind uh, began in 2004, and that was Martin Kilcoyne, Jimmy the Cat Hayes, and myself. And in 2007, the morning after started, but it's all under one umbrella. And when we decided to go to 1380 to start the new show, did the deal there, um, I didn't realize that a lot of the people who were kind of watching this situation develop, like Jay Randolph Jr., for example, there's a, there's a name I can put to it, although I think there are some others as well who just wouldn't be necessarily uh, sports talk radio personalities, um, but just people in the audience were going, Doug Vaughn is going to be the replacement for Martin Kilcoin, the guy that's been on TV for like, what at that point, I guess 20 years on Channel 4? Talented guy, nice guy, just don't see him necessarily doing radio because he's never really done radio. And the thought process was, he is, from my time working at KMOV, one of the funniest people I've ever met. And I believed that when he would be on the radio, people would get to see that personality come out. And so for me, it wasn't even really like a decision. It was like the most obvious move. Um, and that was the move that I was pitching to Jason Barrett the night that he was telling me he was firing the cat and bringing in Bob Fesco. The cat and I had said, yeah, it's it's Doug. That's the move. It was like January 2nd, 2007, January 3rd, 2007, one of those dates. And that's when I met with Jason. And then uh, like September of 2007 is uh, when we started the morning after because they fired the cat. I worked with Bob Fesco for a few months. It was not working. I was miserable. Uh, and that's not a shot at Bob. It was the atmosphere at KFNS at that time. Um, and so we start the show, and I think, and this would be a good question to ask Doug, um, but I think when he first started, I think he was like, what have I gotten myself into? I know the show was popular, and now I'm kind of in this weird spot where I'm replacing Martin. And I've got to find my comfort zone. And so I remember one of his, well, he had two jokes that he used a lot in the early going. But I think he was trying to get comfortable. And it's, if you go back and listen, probably Buck Swope has this thing, to the first morning after, so mid-September 2007, um, you'll hear a totally different Doug Vaughn than you hear now. And he would just jokingly say to be self-deprecating that he was the eye candy of the show and that's why he was brought on. Um, and and the only reason he was on the show is because of his looks. And then for, for whatever reason, I don't know why this came up, but he would do the impression of, uh, God, what book is it? Is that, I don't know. I can't think of it. Well, I, all I know is this. Um, the Bible says man ought not lay down with another man or something along those lines. And he would say it over and over again. So you had those two things and the audience loving to rip everybody associated with the show, get their digs in and find their, uh, you know, spot that will get them going. Producer Joe, it was easy to poke him. Uh, and so they kind of got it going with Doug. And then Doug would react like, why is this coming toward me? But he had been the one saying, I'm eye, can eye candy and man ought not live. The Bible says man ought not lay down with another man, which is from a movie. And I can't think of what movie it's from. I'm sure I will get millions of emails telling me or I'll just remember it here after 
uh, I'm done answering the question. And so that, those two lines, I believe, combined with the texts, led to the hitting on Doug, which still goes on to this day, to a level that, like, for example, I played uh, golf uh, last week with a guy who's friends with Doug, and he goes, boy, I know Doug, and he's just such a nice, just kind of normal guy, and the fact that when he's on the show, he gets hit on by all these younger guys, it's just the strangest thing to listen to. <laughs> and and yet, for us at this point, because it's been going on for 11 years, it's it's commonplace, and the only way it, like, stands out if somebody gets really graphic Otherwise, it's just kind of standard, and we don't even think twice about it. But here's a man who's been married for, I don't know, I think 30-plus years and has three sons, three adult sons, and yet is sexually harassed by, like, gentlemen who are younger than some of his sons regularly on the radio, and we don't even bat an eye. And yet you have, you know, executives from the sports organizations, uh, advertisers, whatever, all listening and enjoying it, and nobody thinks anything of it at this point. We've we've normalized the bat shit, um, and so the, the, it's a great question as to how it came to pass. That is how it came to pass. And then when people just made really quality emails or uh, text references to it, then it just became it fed off of itself. But that I believe uh, is how it happened. Um, if you could pick one sport. For your son to play in college with a full ride to anywhere, what sport and school would you pick? It's a good question. Uh, I personally at this moment am on this golf kick that I wasn't at this time two years ago. I hadn't played in a decade. Um, So my answer would be golf, uh, I think, for a variety of reasons. Um, Really, none of which actually have to do with my enjoyment of the game. So I hope he beats me here with like in within ten years. It wouldn't necessarily be that difficult. Um, but my one of my biggest regrets on stopping playing golf, which just truly is dumb, because I I I maybe played, and I'm being liberal with this, five rounds of golf in my thirties, and I have played five rounds of golf in the last week. So. It gives you an idea. It's just, it's just so dumb. And then, you know, and I've gotten decent, gotten to be a single-digit handicap. I'm off that now. Um, 10 right now. But, uh, and I just go, God, not to say I could have been anything, but that if I would have played in my 30s, what would I be right now? I would imagine I'd be, you know, low single digits, not like a one or two or three or anything like that, but five or six, I think, would certainly be realistic because I got to an eight last year. And... uh and I don't know what I was doing. I really don't. I, well, I, I'll tell you what I was doing. I started playing online poker, and my thought process was, why spend four or five hours on something that I wasn't really good at, like it would be an accomplishment, relatively speaking, if I broke 90. Um, now I go out, and I'm hoping to break 80. And while it doesn't happen often, uh, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Uh, my best round this year was four over at PGA National. Um, from the blue tees at the Fazio course and uh, went birdie birdie to end the round. And I'm just like, man, this I'm getting it together. And then I come back a week later and I have an appendectomy and that's kind of knocked me off track. But the reason why I regret not playing is not only, you know, at this point being much better than I am, but uh, because it's, it really is, it's just a great experience. And I'm, and whether it be with friends 
or business associates or potential business associates, clients, uh, listeners. I've played with a lot of listeners who I didn't know beforehand, but I'll just post saying, hey, I want to play golf. Anybody interested? And I get to know some listeners. I just love bullshitting with people. And I'm more interested, and I guess if you listen to the interviews on this show, um, I'm just curious about, you know, whatever whatever topic that winds up making my synapses fire, as we jokingly say, I'm all in on. And so the golf becomes secondary to bullshitting while you're out there with people for four and a half hours. So when I was down in Florida and living down there for spring training, I would just wander over to, uh, we lived on PGA National and I'd wander over to the clubhouse and I was playing by myself and I'd be paired with people and I didn't think anything of it. I, I would hate when I wasn't paired with people and just going out as a single because one of the things I would enjoy doing is bullshitting with the people in my group. And so I regret that, not having that. So to go back to the question, that is something that I think that golf brings that, not to say other sports don't bring, but it's something that I think would help my son um, in the sense that uh, you have to be self-motivated to be good. Um, it's certainly uh, an individual sport. Um, and then also it requires the honor of playing with integrity. Um, and it's such, a, it's such a weird thing now because um, I'll play now and I'm playing with people who are who are better than, you know, growing up. I mean, real honestly, growing up, I played Tower T. I, I was like, oh, that's a golf course. And then then the, then we were playing, quote, real golf when we went to Ruth Park. And uh, that's that's what it was. And I'm not trying to portray my life as, you know, like growing up in, you know, some, you know, you know making it, you know, I grew up in a very nice neighborhood, but I grew up in the city. And for some of my peers who grew up and were country club members, this is a different world. And so, you know, playing Tower T, that's what you did. You didn't even know any different, uh, for real. Legitimately didn't even, I didn't, I didn't play a real golf course. And by real, I mean something where there's a par four, uh, until I was 16 or 17 years old. And truthfully, didn't know that much about it. I remember watching the 1992 U.S. Open on Father's Day, the great Tom Kite at Pebble Beach, if I'm not mistaken, and falling asleep, uh, really falling asleep. And then a few weeks later, I played for the first time at a real course, and I'm just like, oh, this is this is what it can be. You're actually hitting clubs that are, you know, at that time, woods. Um, so but to, to be able to play now with people where they like let you know if all oh, my ball moved you know and it's like it's it's the right thing to do is to be absurdly honorable about your game I think it teaches you something and I'll tell you this if I were playing golf in a scramble or if I were playing golf and I'm playing and, and again I'm playing for money now if we're, if we're just if we're just playing like a practice round and I don't people can move their ball and I do whatever the hell they want it doesn't really matter to me uh, but if we're playing for money or playing in a scramble and somebody wants to cheat, uh, I mean, to me, that's just like the ultimate, not the ultimate, but as far as the sports tell, it tells you a lot. You know, you look over and somebody's kicking a ball from behind a tree, just like, oh, you know. So from that sense, I think it tells you something and teaches you something. And, um, and so that's where it would be. Now, as far as the school goes, you know, that's something, if I have regrets, I think my uh, lack of attention to education growing up would be at the top of the list. Although, 
for doing what I've done, I suppose I went to the best place that I could have gone, University of Missouri Journalism School. But if I didn't know that I wanted to be in broadcasting, um, I should have worked much harder at school because now I have a greater appreciation for, you know, if you have the ability, not to say that I would have, but if you have the ability to go to a great college, um, what that does for you in life. You just, you, but you don't know that. One of my biggest challenges I feel with my son is to communicate things and have him comprehend. I'm sure many of your parents, many of you as parents or many of you who have communicated with your parents are listening to this and going, yeah, that's the biggest thing in the world. You can have all these plans, but if they're not interested or don't understand what you're saying, it doesn't mean a damn thing. But to communicate uh, the importance of education, but communicate it with a why, uh, not a do this because, you know, and I don't know if I can do that with a, you know, 10 year old, but that, that'll be my, uh, that will be my goal for whether it be just for Jameson or if we have other children, um, that's certainly something that's important to me. And so from that standpoint, what school, you know, I mean the best possible education, I, you know, I, so honestly, I don't sit there and go, Oh, you know, Harvard or Yale or something like that or Notre Dame or Duke or whatever. It's not, it's, it's a fair question. I'm not dis, dis, discounting the question. I'm just saying it's uh that's not something I think. I mean, I want, I, here's what, here's what I will say. I would like him. I'm sure it'll break my heart and his mother's heart even more so, but I would like him for to, to go away from St. Louis for school. That's important to me. Now, who knows? We might not even be living in St. Louis by the time he's, going to school. Uh, but that's important to me. Now, if he wants to stay in St. Louis or he wants to go to Missouri, then so be it. Uh, but I, I think it would be really, uh, a positive to, to get away, to go to whether it be East coast, West coast. I think that would be a, uh, a great thing if at all possible. And if that's what he would like to do. So, uh, there is my semi answer to your question on what school, um, has your success, or the struggles from the past with past radio owners, bosses, caused you to have problems with your wife, family, and or friends? Uh, that's a really great question. Some would say it's super personal, but I, like I said, I want to encourage questions. And if I don't want to answer, I'll, I'll just say I can't answer, I don't want to answer, and give you my explanation as to why I can't or don't want to answer. Um, yes, the answer is yes. The answer is a huge yes. Um, and uh, it goes all the way back to 1999 with my first TV job in Little Rock. Although I was on my own and really just had a girlfriend at the time. <clears throat> but, I mean, that was that was depressing with what I went through there. Uh, and the details are very thorough on one of the first questions from the audience with the general manager and her church group convinced that I was making references to masturbation during my sports cast, which is just... Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just 100% not true. And then she had it out for me, and that was brutal to go through. 22 years old, too, to go through that. Um, uh, then, in, then with television, uh, stunned by how low my raise was after uh, my three-year contract was up at KMOV to the point that I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, stuck around for another two years and uh, had a disappointing situation there that certainly owned me. Uh, then the radio stuff started up in 2006, maybe five, I think six, um, with the ownership group from Atlanta and then 
because I left TV, forcing me to work weekends, which wasn't even on the radar when I left TV. And they said, oh, now that you left TV, you have to work weekends. I'm like, wow, I probably wouldn't have left TV if I would have known that I'd be working weekends anyway. Um, and then you kind of got an, an idea of the, the, the kind of people you were dealing with there. Then you had, as I made reference to earlier, the cat get fired, Martin quit, producer Joe got fired. Uh, and then doing a show that I was miserable because I had never had in my career ever and haven't in a while. It'll happen again, probably, hopefully won't, but probably will. A time where I would on Sunday night have the Sunday scaries, as people jokingly call them now. But, you know, the trepidation, the dread of the next five days. I'd never had that. So for as much as Doug and the cat and I joke around about our business, I doubt the three of us have had many days where we dread coming into work. It's happened, but it hasn't happened often. But in 2007, uh, that I was, I was experiencing that and it really took a toll on me and my, my personal relationships at that time. I was depressed. I was absolutely depressed, like for real depressed. I think I, I did. I still had a sleep problem, which, which even if you're happy at your job, uh, that's going to have ramifications. Um, and I didn't get that really fixed, so to speak until 2008. That's why I'm so sympathetic to people who talk about sleep problems because I know what it's like and I know I can just own your life. Um, but, uh, so 2007 had that, uh, 2009 had, uh, 1380 come to us and say, can't pay you guys anymore, but if you want to own your own time and then sell it yourselves, you can do that. So that became a defining thing. Did that, did it successfully, which then led to us going back to KFNS with that same business model. And then in 2012 had our agreement changed because KFNS was failing uh, and then in 2013 had the Dan Marshall 590, the man 1380, the woman thing. And then we had to, uh, find and start our own radio station, which we did. And then a weekend you have Albert Pujols threatening litigation. Um, and so as you can imagine, that was pleasant. Didn't sleep, probably lost an absurd amount of weight, had all kinds of things going on parallel that weren't public that were owning my soul at the time. Um, and so, yeah, and it's almost it's almost every year to the point that when I say now to, to my wife, well, we just got to get past this. And at this point now, she just kind of looks at me like, how many times have you said we just got to get past? Because because chaos is our normalcy and it does wear on you, which is why when somebody asked about, you know, where do you see the show in two years? Where do you see the show in five years? If we can just continue doing the show, I will do the show for as long as anybody is happy to pay me to do the show. But if there is what feels like inevitably bullshit uh, for a show that at this point is 14 years old with, with three people who have worked together for 11 years. And I guess when you include me and Doug, you know, it goes back to 2000 and I've known the cat since 2000 and the show's been on the air 14 years. And even if you hate it, you'd have to acknowledge that there's success there and there's obviously advertising dollars there. Uh, if we have to, you know, it, I'm just, I don't, I don't have the appetite to do what I did, for example, in 2013, um, or when I, at KFNS, when I was, uh, given the title of operating the radio station, uh, in 2016, I just don't know if I have that in me anymore. Um, and it's not because it's not for, it's just, it just, it, it just grinded me down and 
And so one of the reasons is because then it takes an impact on your personal relationships. And I was doing that stuff before, which was brutal enough without a child. And now one of the big reasons for getting away from it uh, at the end of 2016 slash early 2017 with running KFNS was because my wife got pregnant. She told me she was pregnant on December 27th, 2016. And I'm just like, I can't do it. I, I already knew I was just a mess uh, personally and at home because of how much it all was wearing on me. And I just wasn't going to do that anymore. I just remember growing up just, I, 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 I always wanted to, if I could be there and be around uh, for my, my kids, if I were lucky enough to have kids, that was just something that was important to me. If I could, if I could, you know, you don't know what your situation is going to be and be good when I'm around. And I am, I feel like I say this every podcast, every questions from the audience as much as I was just thinking this last night, as a matter of fact, as much as it's, it is what it is, but it's, you know, a penance of sort, uh, that, Anna Marie and I weren't able to have a child for so many years. Uh, and therefore our first child was born when I was 41 or 40, I guess. Uh, at the same time, I'm glad that I did not have children who lived through a lot of this business stuff. Some of which is public, some of which is public and reported inaccurately, much of which is private. Uh, because I would have been a terrible father at that time because I was such a wreck because I was a terrible husband when it was going on. And so, and it's a weird thing. And, and if, if anything, it's a flaw in me uh, that I allow it to um, own my life and make decisions more often than not on what's better for uh, others uh, than what's actually better for my own family. I've had people like not, not family, even, um, Joe Buck would, would be one that stands out in my mind. Say, you know, you've done this, you've done this and you're doing this and you do it because you're so, but you know, you know, this, this nice guy thing with operating your business, but it's time for you to take care of your son. I, mean, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know. I just, it's a, it's a weird spot and you know, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, if, if shit goes down and, and, you know, whenever, because it's just like it's inevitable. It just feels like it because it, because it's been inevitable for as long as the, the show's been around. And then people look at me, go, oh, are you going to do something different so the thing can keep going? I'll go, well, why didn't somebody else do it? You know, I've done it. <laughs> if you want to do it, be my guest. I've done it. But I'm, you know, uh, because because of what the question is, you know, it does impact my family. It did impact my family. I was not a good husband. Um, and that is on me. That's, there's nobody to blame but myself, but that is the priority of the career over family, uh, is no longer in existence for me. And, um, and it's because of, of, of just the clarity, I suppose, you know, that it's one of those things. And I hate saying it because I feel, I feel like it can come off as condescending. Like, well, I know something you don't know. But you don't know until you have a child how it changes. Again, though, I think the fact that I had, that we had our son when I was 40 versus 25 or 28, it's a much different perspective. Also, the fact that 
we were told we couldn't have kids. And so there's a greater appreciation, I think, perhaps than somebody who, you know, uh, may have gotten pregnant the first time trying. Uh, and that's just natural. There's not to say anything's wrong one way or the other. It's just, it's a different mindset. So that's where I am. Uh, and to answer the question, the answer is absolutely yes. It's never been a problem really with friends. Um, you know, producer Joe, who produced this show for 10 years, I mean, from 2004 through 2013, uh, is still a friend, played golf with him three days ago, and yet he would act, I mean, he would just act like he was so bitchy behind the glass, like, you know, like pouting that we wouldn't go for breaks and, you know, whatever the case might be, it was, just, it was an odd thing, but the relationship that we had, it, we, there was never like a doubt um, of like, you know, when, it, when shit went down where we were, you know, like it was always a unified front with the whole group, which is so important when you're dealing with wars with management or ownership, which again, seemed to happen all the time. Um, and there's incredible value in that. And so Joe is a friend, friends, you know, from my neighborhood or high school or university, Missouri, you know, that's, that, that's not impacted by radio, but, um, you know, when you go through this stuff, it, uh, you know, it, it works because of the friendship, I suppose it's because of the, the loyalty, but at the same time, it's not like Doug and the cat and I are hanging out and nor have we ever, uh, like, like on a Saturday night or something like that. Um, but, uh, just, just an understanding that, yeah, it's, it's the group. The group is the, is the thing that makes the thing, uh, successful, not one individual. It's the group. Now, people might have somebody who they like the most and somebody who they don't like the most, but it's the group that makes the show successful. Uh, if online poker comes back, will you get back into it, or is that a thing of the past for you? Um, I hope it comes back. I'm enamored with the fact that it did that it did go away in the first place. Uh, I probably would play it but I would probably play it with an understanding that I will never make as much money as I did playing it, playing it in 2018 or 19 or 20, whenever it comes back. Furthermore, as those of you who play know, if you're going to play a tournament, I mean, you can settle in for 14, 16 hours and you know, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, I didn't know, do I really want to do that with a child? It's like when we thought we were going to Las Vegas this past week before Jameson got sick um, I was like, yeah, I guess the Venetian deep stacks is going on. We always stay at the Palazzo, which is the tower that, that's next to the Venetian. Cause I've always played in the Venetian poker room. And I'm like, yeah, if we're only going to be out here for a couple days, I don't really want to waste my time and sign up for a poker tournament at noon that if I do well, we'll go until one or two in the morning. That's, I don't want to waste a day. And that's what I used to do every day, which is, seems so foreign to me. So and here's the other thing. My understanding, Daniel Negreanu, who was a guest on this show a few months ago, talking about how the game has changed and how the younger players, especially with analytics, software, optimizers, he called the game. I'm sure, you know, whereas I, I was a winning player when Black Friday took place in 2011, I doubt I would be a winning player now. And also, I know what it took to become a winning player. That wasn't something that just happened. Like, the I started getting hot decks. I mean, it took reading and working on my game and picking things up that I was doing wrong, and I'm sure I still had plenty of other leaks that I wasn't aware of. 
Uh, but uh, I, I just don't think I'd be a winning player. You know, I mean, I could maybe win at like a tournament in St. Louis, but like going out to the World Series of Poker, and I know I've made it to day three in the main event. I'd be surprised if I could do that now. Now it, it can happen in the game because, of course, the luck factor. But uh, you know, it's it's not it's not commonplace, and I just don't think I would be a winning player. So. Uh, my desire to do it at the level that I was doing it from 2004 through 2011 would be. It's like right, every once in a while I'll play in America's card room, but I'm just kind of doing it because I'm like, oh, it's a rainy day. Anna Marie's out with Jameson. I'll get in a tournament and I'll build up a huge stack really quickly. Probably because I'm playing just hyper aggro and, you know, hit on some draws and doubling up on a hand that I shouldn't have. And then I just get bored and I spew off chips. And that's not how I would play when I'm really playing to win. Uh, so, uh, I probably wouldn't be back in as much as I was, but I truly hope that it does come back. And like I said, I'm baffled as to why it's, it's, uh, not, uh, and let's see one from the email pile. Tim is a new dad. Are you spending less time shaving strokes? I'm a first time father with a 10 month old myself and being able to get away for six hours in the weekend is becoming more difficult. Uh, and my wife gets restless. Are you playing quite often or is it the normal to only get a couple of times per month? Thanks. It's from Corey. Um, the answer to that is, uh, now here's something I've discovered. So I'm going to answer it this way with anecdotes. Every significant other thinks their husband or boyfriend plays way too much golf. And I'm noticing this now from where I play on a regular basis, uh, especially over Memorial Day weekend, because you're hanging out up at the place and you're at the pool, you're at the bar, and then the wives or fiancés or girlfriends start talking, and they they just all, if they, if they have one thing that bonds them, it's they all, jokingly really, for the most part, bitch about how much the husbands, boyfriends, fiancés, whatever, play golf. And so, for example, I have a friend who I play with, uh, we talk about him on the air, Dan Henschel, great guy. Um, and I maybe play with him once a week, maybe on the, on the high side, on the low side, once every two weeks. And his fiance, it's a great girl, uh, Stephanie was jokingly saying, oh my God, Dan plays so much. I'm going, wow. Uh, you have no idea because there are guys who are up here almost every single day playing like for real, almost every single day. And uh, and I was talking with one of those gentlemen's uh, significant others when we were having booze and uh, had had some drinks so we're bullshit and having a good time. And I said, what are your thoughts on that? Because I said, I, I come up here and he's always playing, you know, stirring the pot, certainly. And she goes, oh, my God, I can't stand it. And then comes home and then just has had some drinks and then lays on the couch and watches the NBA playoffs. And that's our life. And it was we were joking around. I'm like, okay. And then there was somebody else we were hanging out with. And she said, well, every, you know, every guy up here thinks they're going to be on the PGA tour. And so they got to play and work on their games. And it becomes, and, 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 and this guy who she, she was talking about, I had never even seen on the course. So the premise is this. If you are going to, especially if you have a baby under the age of one, and you are going to say to your wife or girlfriend, fiance, whatever the case might be, with whom you have a child, I'm going to leave you now for the next five hours and drink and play a game that to me is really important, but to you couldn't mean any less. I'm just telling you now that I've 
put it out there to you. I would imagine you have some empathy for the significant other uh, because it sure sounds pretty asinine. Uh, it's like Cletus, loyal listener of the program. You may hear him referenced every now and again. We're playing in our two-ball match in the tournament, uh, which means we're playing our best ball of the two of us against two other guys. And I said to Anna Marie, I said, well, here we go. First round. So this is big. Would you like me to text updates? And she looked at me like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? And, uh, and, and then I gave her a look like, oh my God, it means nothing. And she goes, oh baby, no, please win. And it'd be the best mother's day present ever. So her facetiousness conveyed just how little it means to her and to every other woman, most likely, uh, whose husband is running out to play in some stupid ass golf game, whether it be a gambling game or an actual tournament, uh, unless it's on the web or the uh, the PGA, and 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 then also when I think about the fact that she's going to be tending to our son, uh, and these uh, mothers are tending to the babies while we go out there and play golf, I understand where they're coming from. Now, with all of that out there. I here is here is now here's where we may differentiate. I don't know. I tell Anna Marie, please, for your sake, go and do whatever the hell it is that you want to do. I don't care. Just get out of the house so you can get some time away, whether that be uh, yoga. She loves yoga, whether it be lifting, whether that be just hanging out somewhere with your friend, whatever the case might be. Do that because I think it's important for people to get away. Uh, parents to get away. I just, I, and I don't think that's really a cutting edge thing, but I think it has to work both ways. I think if I were only playing golf and then I was like, well, where are you going? I can't take care of Jameson. Then it'd be a different deal. So that is where, that is where the abstract of the answer comes in. If you're playing golf and you're not allowing your wife to uh, have some time uh, by herself to do whatever it is that she loves to do, then we got a double standard and we're going to have a problem. Uh, so that that is how I hope to try to manage it because it's something that I love to do. And two years ago, it wasn't something that I was doing, and now it's essentially filled my obsessiveness, uh, the void that's been created by not playing poker. It's been moved to golf, uh, except with this one, I'm not making any money on it. Well, if I am making money, it's certainly nothing nearly like what I was making with poker. So that's my advice on it. If you want to play... When you come to your wife and say, hey, my buddies and I are going to be playing on Saturday if that works. And I know you got the baby. So if it works to play on Saturday, I'll take care of our son or daughter on Sunday or whatever. I'll take care of them later. I'll take care of them now. Whatever the case might be, you know, it's like a negotiation. And you're doing the right thing anyway because it's good for your wife or fiance or girlfriend's sanity to not be sitting at the house the entire time while you're out playing golf. But just in general. So that's that's my pro tip on it. Anna Marie thinks I play way too much golf. Anna Marie is right that I play way, way too much golf, but I really enjoy it, and it's something that I look forward to. Um, it just so happens I have a nine-month-old, and so it's a different ball game than you know other people who don't have kids or that if their kids are grown. It's a totally different ball game, so it's not apples to apples for everything. But in your case, sir, Corey, you ask about the 10-month-old, so we're essentially in the same boat. My recommendation is when you ask, because that's the right play, ask, don't tell. Also say, hey, I know I'm playing golf and I know that means I'm going to be out of the house for five or six hours. So my recommendation would be to say, but I'll take care of our uh, child 
you know, on Sunday. So you can have that whole day to yourself. If that works, that's what I would do. It's not like I'm an expert on this, but I'm viewing it from that standpoint. And I think that helps get you over the goal line. All right, there it is. There's questions from the audience. Uh, another edition is in the books. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, 314-961-4800, makes this presentation possible. Like the interviews, like questions from the audience, then make sure that you're doing business with James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If you're in the market to buy a home from Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of our studios, then make sure that you're getting a quote from James Carlton at James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent. Because, hey, that's going to be part of your transaction when you're buying a home. Make sure you're getting the best. A lot of people don't even know what their escrow is for. James Carlton's going to take care of that for you. Great guy, runs a great business, and he's also going to be able to save you money. 314-961-4800, online at carltoninsurance.net. Thank you to everybody for your questions, and thank you to our sponsors, thehomeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studios, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, and Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet, a new sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, Thank you for all the questions. Thank you to our audience for listening. And we'll look forward to bringing you another interview and another edition of questions from the audience here on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.